Enswell Boxing. Come on in. Ireland's Boxing Weekly Podcast on all things amateur, professional, domestic and international. If you'd like to listen to any or all of a back catalogue of almost 200 episodes, perhaps you just want to find the links to our YouTube channel or any of our social media platforms, go to www.enswellpod.com on the past, present and future of Irish boxing. Throughout the history of boxing, there have always been parts of the world where the sport transcends its very roots. Places where it galvanises not only a country or a city, but almost forges a national identity. Creates a unified sense of pride carried and worn by its top prize fighters. At its best, at its most honest, and indeed its purest form, nowhere embodies this more than the home of the Fighting Irish. You are welcome on in indeed. We're a week on from that truly, truly spectacular fight. One for the ages, one that will never be forgotten. Will be spoken about as the as the boxing history books are written and closed in many years from now. And it's important to note right here, without going into all the details, because I will have a special episode coming up, which will focus on the finalities of what's been going on in boxing over the last, say, two to three weeks. And yes, I've maintained a radio silence, a conscious radio silence, a purposeful radio silence, because I wanted to make sure I knew who and what I was talking about. The what fors, the where fors, the who fors. And there's been a lot of indirect contact. There's been a lot of silly little attempts to derail any message to derail any attempt, shall we say, at portraying a message. And and the latest came last Sunday night in the wake of Katie's fantastic win. When I posted a little reminder to all that now maybe the world realises that not everything linked and associated to Irish boxing is rotten to the core. And I, I, I stand by that. I will stand by that statement. But somebody saw fit to object to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Perhaps it was one complaint copied and pasted. Let me just reiterate what I've put out on social media last night. If you have an issue with anything I'm saying over the next episode or two, get in touch. My contact details are all over this episode. They're all over my social media. They're all over my website. Grow a pair. Get in touch. Because I don't intend on naming names. I don't intend on naming very fine specifics. But I've got my homework done. I know where I'm at and I know what I'm about. And I'm confident enough to be able to go to bat for a sport and for the majority of people in a sport who have no interaction or no involvement in dirty deeds. And I feel it's a cheap shot at times. I think it's a low blow. I think it's an easy way to write inches when there's a lot of research hasn't been done. And I found that out as well. So Katie's performance, Katie's involvement, the way she's carried herself, indeed that ring walk. Wow. That ring walk itself is even a week on, it's just give, would give you goosebumps. And I think her timing and I think her, the way she's dictated, the way she's dedicated herself, the way she has absolutely allowed this week to play out and represent it in style is just fitting. And it's just a reminder, again, if we needed it, that not everything associated with this is rotten or stained. Here we go. There's no doubt 
There's been many words written. There's been many headlines. Many, many, many more column inches. Uh, probably hours and hours of footage and millions of shares across social media. I still find myself stuck for words, lost for words. I don't really have any more superlatives left for Katie Taylor. She's a bastion, a representation, a true representation of all that's good about Irish sport and Irish boxing. She's real, she's present, she's honest and she's comfortable in her own skin. All of those positives came to bear last Saturday night when she was tested to the soles of her boots to the very foundation of her being and she came out doing what she always does he's in the corner fighting back again look at these two guys Serrano is killing the body this is what we wanted and they're delivering Katie's taking way more than she's throwing there is no need to create clickbait hashtags or, or any other Catch eye-catching headlines. It's 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 a fantastic and unrivaled achievement in any sport, anywhere in the world, in any code. And yet somehow, somehow going into this fight, Katie found herself as the underdog. Now, to put that into perspective, again, let me just understate this by saying that my focus on my my respect for bookmakers and odds makers is is zero. They don't know what they're talking about. Their focus is on money. So to make somebody who has won five world titles, six European titles, two Olympic Games, she's won a gold at one, and she was uh, six years as a pro, 21 and all. And, and, and bear in mind, when you put that record, when you list that record, the World Championships is every two years. So that's 10 years. The European Championships also every two years, which generally they fell in alternative years. So you had a World Championship, following your European Championships, following your World Championships. It was an endless cycle, 10 years. Throw into that two Olympic Games where she won a gold medal. And then since that. So we're probably talking about the guts of 20 years as, an, as a professional, as a boxer, all in all. And she goes into a fight against one person who since they've teamed up with Jake Paul. And yes, I want to give Amanda Serrano her props. She did play her part in this match. But... She only became relevant, she only became mainstream, she only became superstar material when Jake Paul got behind her. And that says a lot. Yeah, look, I mean, Amanda's uh, the, the number one pound-for-pound pound female boxer and greatest Hispanic female athlete of all time. And she hasn't been treated fairly in her career. There's a new era in boxing, and it's starting with social media. There's a new way to promote fights. If you look at the Google Trends, I'm doing more search results than, than Canelo, who's supposedly the face of boxing. So it's a new era, and that's what we're doing at Most Albert Promotions is using our platform and social media to create the biggest fighters, and Amanda is just that. No matter how hard I try, and I do try hard to be impartial for these big fights when one of our own is involved, and I always try to be objective. I try to watch all fights objectively but when it came to Katie and Amanda Serrano it's I won't say it's impossible but it's 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 very very difficult in the early days of the promotion I was guilty of drinking the Kool-Aid I was worried in fact I think I might have said openly I thought Katie was going to lose the fight I didn't really want her to take the fight I thought it was clever uh, promotion clever manipulation of the time frame and the calendar that they may have seen Katie on the downside of her career. But that was before we learned of Katie's calf injury in her last two to three fights, which would have explained a lot. But 
I've watched the girl for long enough. I've I've followed her, I've supported her, I've loved her for long enough to know that at any point of any fight that she's winning, including her last fight before Serrano in Gutierrez, when in that last round she had to fight one, she was home and hosed. She just can't help bang those gloves together and call her on. And and in a fight against a, a Serrano-style opponent, it, it's dangerous. It's dangerous, to say the least. And I know that might be stating the obvious. But what changed my mind well before the fight, I want to say maybe three, four weeks out from the fight, was listening to Polly Malinaji, uh, who, of course, has been a guest on here. And you'll, you you can listen to Polly's thoughts in, in the episode he did with me. And it's always wonderful to listen to Polly. Is that Serrano hasn't really faced anybody of Katie's magnitude. She hasn't faced anybody with the set of skills with the with the different dimensions that Katie Taylor has. Has Katie Taylor faced an Amanda Serrano? Yes, I want to say. Yes, she has. She's faced hard hitting come forward opponents before. In this in the form of Delphine Pursun, in the form of Rose Valenta or Jessica McCatskill. So the power is one thing. But has she got all it takes? Has she got all the dimensions it takes to beat a champion of the calibre, a boxer of the calibre of Katie Taylor? And I say this so many times. A fighter fights with their fists. A boxer boxes with their feet. So the build-up and the scene, I suppose, right up to fight week, many know that this could have and probably should have happened during lockdown at Matchroom Square Garden, as they like to call it at the time. It would have been less money, would have been less profile, probably wouldn't have been half as much interest in it, probably even a quarter. Uh, definitely no crowd, no, let's be honest about it, in relative terms, no interest. Uh, half the hype and definitely nowhere near as close a fight because I believe Katie right then would have just um, wouldn't have needed the magnitude she wouldn't have needed the stage she wouldn't have needed the whatever whatever hype you want to call it she didn't of course have Jake Paul so she wasn't relevant enough at that given time for whatever reason Hearn couldn't make it happen he, he couldn't get that fight made and as I said again until Jake Paul became along and got behind Serrano, well then it became a fight that Eddie Hearn could make. Uh, Katie was calm, she was collected, she was present all the way up to the fight, all the way through fight week. If anything, she was probably more comfortable with the media and with doing the the rounds with the with the with the media crew. And uh, it was it was strange to see her. She, she she seemed to be very relaxed, very at ease. Whereas at times early in the week I began to wonder was was Serrano starting to realise what she'd gotten herself into? And, and I had that similar thought when I watched uh, Dillian White fight Tyson Fury. And um, my man Terry Chapandama was some, made a point very similar. And if you get a chance, go have a listen to the Beyond Boxing podcast. And it's High Phil Boxing and it is Terry Chapandama. And he gives some fascinating and insightful thoughts and information into the British amateur boxing scene and of course into his connections and his his uh, his knowledge of the of the pro game over there and some of the fellas who have gone through his gym and who he indeed he's coached himself so a big shout out to Terry it's been great to chat with him in the past and we're looking forward to getting him on here really soon in an upcoming episode but he made a very similar point as to Dillian trying to get his hat off just prior to the Tyson Fury fight it was as if all the chickens were coming home to roost and they were realizing oh oh what have we got ourselves into uh, Serrano looked like it was daunting. It was it was a bit of a hassle. Now she did grow into it. She warmed into it, and as the fight week went on, uh, I suppose the biggest questions in my mind were: Would this fight live up to the hype? 
could it live up to the hype? Did Serrano deserve the adoration and the status that had come uh, with the backing of Jake Paul? Another question. Still a big one for me, and it still is, is uh, as I wonder about Canelo, where has this power come from? Where has it come from? It's it's much vaunted, it's much hyped, it's much written about and much talked about. And we saw it, of course, close up. We'll come to that later on a little bit. And I can reference a little point that my mate Cherry, Terry Chapandama made also. But I'll come to that in a few minutes' time. Once the fight arrived, the big talking points, of course, were going to be the clash of styles. Again, we had the Orthodox versus Southpaw. Katie made those early rounds look easy. She really worked in round one. She allowed Serrano just to... just. Uh, follow her chaser around the ring and walked her onto that check left hook there was no boxing on display whatsoever from Serrano it was coming forward coming forward seeking seek to destroy seek to destroy and, and Katie was happy to make her fall short ping her with her own shots and as I said that check left hook when you see Amanda Serrano's uh, right eye I think today you'll still see it it's, it's, it's not looking too pretty I would say she took a hell of a pounding on that side for the most part Katie was having she was having the better of it until we got of course to that famous fifth round which to this day I've watched it again almost 10 days after and it baffles me it really and truly baffles me how I I, I genuinely want to say that there isn't another male or female athlete on this planet in any sporting code that could not have that, that could have stayed on their feet that could not have taken a knee at that point because her legs were bolted up straight she was like plodding forward falling forward how she managed to stay up she used every ounce of guile experience determination and let's just call it as it is Lee Rody to stay on her feet and survive that round and right at the end of that fifth round just enough to sicken Tarano if she hadn't already been had her heart broken she, she threw out two big shots landed them on the chin as if to say now bitch I is here and I'm going nowhere and that was that was incredible it was a truly incredible it was a round for the ages it was a round that just can't be overstated and yes she had a hellacious surround six as well and I think it was around then we saw her starting to come back to herself and from there on in it was about our girl and it was just special it was an absolute privilege and an honour to watch the fight I'm going to speak to somebody here now a friend of the podcast all young boxers who have come through the system at some point in time and she was shouted out and given her due props at the Olympics by Kelly Harrington of course Anna Moore, the mammy of Irish boxing. I was like you. I was very nervous when I heard she was fighting her. I And I think it wasn't that I thought Serrano could beat her. Yes, I watched Serrano box and she's a great little boxer. But what I was frightened of it is it was in New York. Mm. And Serrano could be Puerto Rican, but she spent most of her life in New York. It was a home fight for her. That's what made me nervous about it. When Katie started the first round, I settled. I, I would have given her the first and the third round. Fourth was a bit dodgy. When she went into the fifth round, I kept saying, don't let her back her on the ropes. Don't let her back her. The minute she backed her on the rope, oh. Big statement for Serrano to say, can try to get in and out and use her speed to her advantage. Katie's corner told her, don't headhunt, come down to the body kick. Good body punching from Serrano as Katie's in the corner. Oh, she may have hurt Katie there. She gave she gave her a good bloody hiding. I I started crying even. 
And I said to my daughter, I'm going to bed. I can't watch it. I just can't watch it, I said. And I went into the toilet. I couldn't. I came back out. And the sixth round, she was still wasn't Katie. But she came out in the seventh round and she started boxing. Instead of fighting, she started boxing. Jabbing and getting away and jabbing and getting away. And that's what won it. Her boxing won it for Katie. She went back to her amateur days of jabs, straight jabs and boxing. Personally, I would have given Katie six rounds. I would have given her the first, the third, seven, eight, nine and ten. Saran was trying to stop her because she knew if she had to go the full distance with her, that Katie could beat her. Now, Katie did beat her and people are saying she was robbed. She She wasn't robbed. I tell you, I'm going to get her off social media because I mentioned them all. Susie, Fox, and all these American uh, boxing uh, channels uh, are on, on uh, Facebook. I go into all of them and I give it to them. Yeah. I really do give it to them because they see no one, only Americans. I don't know what it is. I mean, everybody loves Katie, but they don't seem to. Amanda's already training for the rematch. <laughs> Eddie Hearn, let's run it back in Ireland. No problem. But everyone wants to see that fight again, and Amanda's going to win this time. She's already in training. What fight would have stuck in your mind of Katie's, or what fights were up till Saturday night? I was there when she won three of her world titles, and the last world championship she would have taken part in. Final when we were in China. What stood in my mind, it wasn't even the contest. She came out of the ring. The sweat was pouring off of her. And she stood for a full hour getting photographs taken. People from all over the world. And I kept saying, Casey, come on. You have to, we have to go another minute, another minute. A Europeans we were at in Rotterdam, Oshigaba was coming down to Katie's weight because the Olympic weights were being put there. It was like paint drying. I think it was final score 3-1. That's when you press the buttons. Yeah. <laughs> to watch her as a boxer, you'll be an offer. Yeah. And I remember the first time she qualified for the Olympics. It was between her and this other girl and the other girl pulled out. And I had to go down and tell her that she had qualified. It was the, the big dream. The world championships herself, the Chinese girl. And they put that back on in Russia, in St. Petersburg, because the heads of the ICO were coming. This was the final one they were going to watch before they decided showcase. if they'd let them. The show, this was a showcase. Because when she boxed the Chinese girl that day, she was exceptional. And I really believe this. And I'll say to anyone that'll ask me, and I'll make no bones about it, only for Katie Taylor, there would be no women's box in the Olympics. And I really, really mean that. If you saw their faces that day. Could you imagine, Al, the Olympics in London? You got off the train, you went down the mall, and you got to the steps, the top of the mall steps. All you saw was a sea of green, white and gold.
And that's all you saw in Madison Square Garden the other night. And they outsung everybody. The way I wanted to run this out, everywhere she's gone, she's raised the profile. Yes. As you said, the Olympics, because of her. Pro boxing, because of her. Every fight she's had, it hasn't been a vacant title. It's been a champion defending against the champion. It's been in a stadium full of people. Culminated in that the other night. My heart was telling me, yeah, she will win, she will win. But I was still nervous. Every time she goes into a ring, even when she was an amateur, I got nervous for her. Even though I had no cause to be. Even when I go away with all the kids, every time they get into the ring, I'd be nervous for them. Of course you do. <laughs> uh, while I'm here, sorry, just a big shout out to Anna Moore. Uh, she's uh, one of the mammies of Irish women's boxing and she's been there from the start and she's always sending her love to everybody. So I want to shout out to Anna Moore. That's why you're the mammy of Irish boxing. I love them. In my opinion, what Muhammad Ali did in the 60s for civil rights and for black people, she's doing right now for female athletes. If you go back a few years, people would laugh at you if yep. you said that two women would fill Madison Square Garden. The impact on Irish boxing for young female athletes. If we think what we've seen and from the fantastic Kelly Harrington and the f- fantastic Katie Taylor, and I'm not comparing because there's no need. We're just back from the European youth. We brought three European titles home, a silver and four bronze. And usually with the boys and the girls now, you'd have two managers because these are 16 now to 18 year olds, you know, boys and girls. But I have to say, not one of them gave me any trouble. They're teenagers. You have to remember they're teenagers. We were all teenagers once. You can't be too stiff with them. But you have to know when to allow and when not to allow. Do you know what I mean? We used to go to Mosna years ago and we used to get excited. So can you imagine when you're bringing them to the other side of Europe? The wonderful Anna Moore. And just in case I didn't give Anna her correct and proper introduction, she has been a team manager and a proper surrogate mammy for all Irish boxers, young Irish boxers, male and female, coming through the system for as far back as I can remember. And my longest memory was almost accidental introduction back around the year 2006 when Kelly and Katie and Sinead Cavan and all those girls boxed on a card in Waterford. And she correctly pointed out to me in that interview she was the team manager that night. So I don't, I don't doubt it goes back further than that. She deeply cares for all those fighters and she takes her job very, very seriously. She's very proud and, as I said, she's the type of person that you want to have taking care of our young upcoming stars. She's also an ardent Liverpool fan, so it's a big couple of weeks coming for Anna. Thanks again for taking time to chat to me and, as always, I really do look forward to the next time we catch up. And just before we move on from the whole Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano fight, what's left? Questions for me as to what's next and what's left. Are we going to have a rematch? Do we need a rematch? I don't know. I don't know. Do we need to see a trilogy with her and Serrano? I don't know. Would New Ricans travel from America to here? I don't know. Again, having watched the ring walk, having watched the whole fight, having watched everything and watched Katie and how present she was in the build-up, in the ring walk and then the fight itself, I wouldn't be a million percent, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we don't see the girl box again. That would break my heart, but it would also comfort me to know that she has gone out at the very, very top. Nobody will be able to answer for Katie Taylor. Nobody has ever answered for Katie Taylor. She speaks in her own voice. She speaks her own mind and her own thoughts. For me, if I was to speculate and if I was to give a dream scenario on what I would like to see, Yes, of course I want to see a homecoming fight, a farewell fight if it was if it must be titled in Crow Park, but not against Serrano. For me it needs to be Natasha Jonas. Uh, it would be fitting, I believe, her first Olympic fight, 
her toughest pro fight up until that Saturday night. And what a way to close out two fitting warriors who have met each other along the road of their, their career at different times and never shirked or never any quarter given or asked for back. It just two special people and nobody would travel in a bigger supporting crowd than our friends in the 33rd county of Ireland as I like to say of Liverpool City so time will tell but the lady owes us nothing she knows the sport nothing and I genuinely hope we do get to see that big homecoming fight in one of her choice now I touched on a topic at the top of the show here about Amanda Serrano's power and this is a, a this is a, one of those, it's like a hot potato, as we like to say in Ireland. It's one of those topics that can be triggering for some. It can be too real for others. It can be maybe used a little bit too much, again, by another select group. But there's a fella I listen to an awful lot over the last few weeks and months. His knowledge on boxing, his insight and his whole style and the way he presents it is very, very special. I'm talking about Terry Chapandama. And his boxing podcast is called Beyond Boxing. Highfield Boxing, I believe. And I'm going to put a link to it in the notes underneath here today. And I'm going to let you listen to a little clip just where he explains the background and the story of Jordan Magdalano and, of course, of the Serrano sisters and why there is a question mark and a stain, if you like, over the names and the reputations of all three. When American law enforcement were investigating the sale of steroids out of two gyms, uh, Powerhouse Gym, which I think owned by Bill Francis and there was another gym. And within this, there was a guy as a Jordan Maldonado, who was the boyfriend of Cindy Serrano, but was the manager of Amanda Serrano. This is when Amanda was doing the golden gloves with the view of going pro. So they were trying to build her profile. And it was all about the Serrano sisters, which explains the Twitter name. So they all get arrested, banged to rights for selling the steroids and everything. Uh, Maldonado does a year. For it, right? Although they were looking at nine initially. Cindy was looking at jail time, she got off, and Amanda Serrano was charged. Right? Amanda Serrano was charged. That means she was involved in a conspiracy to supply steroids. Now you're looking at it, and her manager is Maldonado, the guy who went to jail for supplying the steroids, and we're supposed to believe that there was no contamination. She was around steroids in this conspiracy, seemingly enough to be charged. So it wasn't like it was an accidental thing. And not only does she not face jail time, I don't think she went to court. That tells me that they, they planned what to do. And they said Maldonado will take the hit, which he did. And the Serranos got off. But it always left that stench that they were always too close to the steroid game. And upon his release, Maldonado carried on managing Amanda Serrano. I think he's still involved now. So you make of that what you will. And that's why, for me, I'll always rate the Jonas fight higher because I don't have those suspicions about Natasha Jonas. So what you have is, You've got Katie Taylor, who's got all the advantages, right? And you've got Amanda Serrano, who hasn't. But she's got that, that alleged equalizer of the needle in the ass. And we don't think that's going to be a big deal, because we're like, Katie Taylor's seen everything. Jonas can bang. And we get to round three, and we're like, no, no, this power is serious. She's beating the old age into Katie Taylor right now. This is, this is not going to plan. This is not going to plan. And, you know, Katie's there like, this is Amanda Serrano. I should be able to stand and trade with her. And it's dawning on her that this is hard. And then you had the fifth round. Right? You had that fifth round, round five, that everyone talks about, where Katie's absolutely rocked. 
you know, half asleep in this fight. I wonder how seriously she took this fight because up, up until round five, you're like, this is far closer than it ever should have been. I don't think Tasha Jonas would have been taking those kinds of risks. And now Katie Taylor looks like she's out. And here, here's, for me, the point where women's boxing became real was when Katie Taylor had that Rocky moment. You know in Rocky films, he gets that moment, doesn't he, where it's that one punch that hurts. And it's about, are you going to come back from this shot? Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. In case anybody is under any doubt or any, under any illusion or delusion, steroids don't make an elite level fighter more elite. It doesn't make them elite. What steroids do is enable the elite fighter to perform longer and better. So the fact that Canelo has a question mark over his head, the, f- the, the fact that Dillian White, that Tyson Fury, that Anthony Joshua, that all these people have had accusations aimed at them and has had various different reasons to have accusations aimed at them, it doesn't make them. It doesn't. What it does, what they do in the form of PEDs, it enables these athletes to perform longer, better and faster. And that in itself is like putting a super fuel in a supercar. It just allows it to to perform even more and even better at an even higher level than the competition. So it's not right. It's wrong in every way you can imagine and more in boxing because when you think of the whole aim of boxing is to incapacitate your opponent, whether it's amateur or professional and it's regretful and it's wrong and before we listen to anybody from outside or other sports point the finger and criticize not to excuse what goes on in this boxing world and there is no excusing it and as i said i will have an episode following this one later on in the week or or maybe early next week where i will create and join some dots without going into names and, and too much specifics right now the advice i've received has been to to carry on as I'm doing, uh, to, in the knowledge and, and the educa- to be educated the way I have and informed the way I have, but not to probably in, implicit, make myself implicit in any way, shape or form. And that's what I intend on doing. And from here on in, it will be as it was, but I just needed to find out where I was and where I'm at right now. So as I was saying, for other sporting codes, whether it's horse racing, let's face it, there are some serious questions over that. Whether it's motorsport, the questions aren't even there's not enough paper to write the questions and the same goes for horse as I said for athletics the same goes for cycling same goes for GAA I was part of a GAA county board here in Kildare for many years which had some serious serious findings which uncovered some stuff that just beggared belief really beggared belief and it all gets hidden under the amateur label so don't be under any illusion where there are high rewards there are even higher risks taken hello moto that is a different energy for a different podcast keeping things on the up and up fantastic new look irish boxing teams on the move right now whether it's the fellas who are in camp preparing for the eubu european championships i think i've got that right and the team that flew out to their pre-tournament camp is a fresh looking new look 
young and, with all due respect, inexperienced senior Irish men's team. A little bit of experience mixed through it. At 48 kilo, we have our pal here from the podcast is Ricky Nesbitt. Uh, he's from the Holy Family Club. We've got Sean Murray, who's got huge experience at the World Championships in the military games, of course, at 51 kilo from Monkstown, BC. 54 kilo, Dylan Eagleson from the St. Paul's Belfast Boxing Club. 57 kilo is Adam Hessian of the Mona Lee Boxing Club. 60 kilo, JP Hale from Star ABC. 63 kilo, Brandon McCarthy from St. Michael's in Athai. Eugene McKeever is in at 67. Holy Family Drogheda. 71 kilo is Luke McGuire from Escrow Boxing Club. 75 kilo, Gabriel Dawson from the Olympic BC. And 92 kilo, the man who's just come home with a gold medal at the Youth Championships, is Monkstown's Jack Marley. These guys are all deep inside their preparations now for the European Championships, which go ahead in Armenia in, I believe, the end, the last two weeks of May. So, big shout out to all the lads. We've had some of them on here. We've yet to get a few, but don't worry, we'll have them here for you really soon. Last, but by no means least. In fact, in fact, in this instance, we will, we could, and we will say we've saved the best to last. The girls have been in camp for three weeks almost before the kickoff of their world championships, which are going ahead in Turkey this week and last. And wow, wow, what an absolute barnstorming start they've had. It's an incredible little team. There's some new faces in there. There's some old experience, grizzled, hard-hitting and hard-hit names that we all know from from the last few years but let me run it out here to you now at 48 kilo is St Anne's Boxing Club Shannon Sweeney 50 kilo is the Immaculata boxer Caitlin Friars 52 kilo is an old pal of mine and one that we've all seen and watched over the last few years Carly McNall from the Ormo Road Club 54 kilo we have the Blue Bonbon girl Phoenix Ballybuckle Neves Fay and what a special talent that young lady has been all the way through and now starting to make her cut at the top level 57 kilo is one to watch and a medal hopeful from the Olympic BC from the Emerald BC of course is Michaela Walsh 63 kilo a lady who's had to bide her time and wait and has done so with perfect preparation and everything else. She's just back from helping Katie Taylor prepare for the Serrano fight. Is the is the St. Bron- BC, Amy Broadhurst. 66 kilo, an old pal of ours here on the podcast. She's been on here probably more than anybody else from Enniskerry, is Casey Rock. And the first pair of siblings, I want to say, since maybe the Reynolds brothers uh, back in the late 90s, are the O'Rourke's from the west of Ireland also, from Roscommon, I believe. Olympic Boxing Club 70 kilo is Lisa O'Rourke and 75 kilo is Aoife O'Rourke and it has been just an incredible start this has been a team that has been gelling and forming since the tail end of lockdown they've been in their individual pods they were preparing for for tournaments that didn't happen they were preparing for championships that didn't happen and now they got the green light and it's like somebody has unleashed them on the rest of the world in what's been a highly highly competitive championship so far no sign of cobwebs or Lisa O'Rourke kicked the ball off for us with two huge wins in the first and second round. The first round was a win over Congo and then on Tuesday she had another big win over the Dominican Republic. There was no luck on day two for Shannon Sweeney. Day three brought nice wins for Michaela Walsh and Amy Broadhurst and Carly McNall. Wins for Caitlin Friars where she faces Italy in the next round. Neve Fay had a great win. She faces Romania in the next round and Casey Rock is due to box Ukraine. Incredible performance for a team who... If we're being honest about it, based on experience, based on their exposure to this level, a lot of them are fresh off long periods out of the sport through lockdown and backed up then with the likes of Casey and those winning their very first senior Irish titles. It's incredible. 
it's really incredible to see them do so well and hit the ground running. And it's it's not a surprise. It is no surprise. Anybody that's watched girls boxing for the last few years will tell you the levels that these girls are not just reaching but resetting. Is It's special. It's just very special. And it is, of course, all down to that knock-on effect, that Rolling Stone effect from what Katie Taylor has done, from where Kate... Kelly Harrington has followed on and go back as far as Deirdre Gogarty, Christina McMahon and all those phenomenal Irish females who have just paved the way as Stacey Copeland would say for for what's coming right now and as if there wasn't enough incentive on the line to win gold medals to qualify for world championships to qualify for Olympics to qualify on the podium there are prizes the added incentive if you didn't need any already as if you needed any already $100,000 for a gold medal winner $50,000 $50,000 for a silver medal winner and $25,000 for bronze medal. Nothing wrong with that. Here we go. Once again, I want to thank you for your patience. For those of you who messaged to ask how was things and what was what and where was I and what was I up to, I promise you the next episode will explain everything and it will just, it was important for me to be on steady ground as I've tried to be throughout from day episode one all the way through to almost 200. Again, I want to give a big shout out to my confidant, my close friend, Wayne McCullough, who has been truly invaluable over the last couple of weeks. His, his advice, his guidance and his backing has just been priceless. And I'm going to put a link below to his incredible daughter, daughter with the WiMAC, her performance on the stage in front of the Bellagio Fountains at the NFL draft was, was breathtaking. So the talent is clearly there. And last but not least, a big shout out to our pal, our friend of the podcast here, Spike O'Sullivan. He's in for the WBA title against Erislandi Lara and what a car that is as well this co-main event to Gervonta Davis next fight incredible stuff big up to you Spike if anyone can do it you can from me and them until then all's well that ends well